Thanks for joining us here at Iron Bridge Church. We are based out of Chester, Virginia, and our desire is to see everyone in our online and local community experience what it means to know real life and real love. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about us, you can always check us out online at ironbridge.org. And we would love for you to stay connected throughout your week with the Iron Bridge Church app. You can download our app for free by searching Iron Bridge Church in the app store. great to worship the Lord. Think of his love being fierce and how he still comes to us and we can know him. When we think of God, we think a little bit about him because our minds can't handle thinking of him as he really is. The creator of the universe, the creator of the ends of the earth, of all that we see and all we don't see. We can look up and we do and see the stars in the skies, the sky at night and we see the moon, we see the sun, we see beauty. We think of his great creation and the fact that what we see is only such a small portion of what he has done. And he is the great creator. And he knows the end from the beginning. And he is eternal. And we are limited by time. And yet... He knows us, and he knows our deepest thoughts. He goes beyond what we appear to be on the outside and what we are and, and knows our deepest needs of the deepest part of our hearts. He says in his word that the very hairs of our head are numbered. He knows how many's there. He's not so concerned about gray or falling out. But you know, it's the fact that God knows so much about us that keeps us from him a lot of times. And the fact that he is too big for us to grasp keeps us away from him sometimes. And how thankful we are that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and, and so that we can know God and we can relate to God. And we're thinking about this, that this morning as we start this series on prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And, and as, as we look at this, we're, we're coming off of the theme relationship because it's so much for us to 
grasp, and we need to, to look at it bit by bit because if you're like me, and I know you are, you probably do not feel like you pray as much as you should, and none of us do. And that keeps us, because we're humans, from taking the steps we can take and know to take. And so his word comes to us and encourages us. We're, we're Christ followers. Or we've committed ourselves to be. And he is gracious to teach us and forgive us, and to restore us, and renew us along this path. And he knows that we need him, and that we need this. And so let's look at his word this morning from Matthew chapter 6, and, and starting in verse 9, where Jesus tells his disciples, tells us, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says, I want you to come at this out of relationship. I want you to come at this out of who God is and who we're coming to in prayer. And it's amazing to look and, and, and to understand that growing in prayer, our relationship is reaffirmed in prayer, our relationship with God and, and his desire for relationship with us. And to know that Jesus taught us to relate to God as our Father. Now, I learned these words in a different translation of Scripture, as maybe some of you did. And I learned it, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we all come at this term, our Father, from different, different directions. And so Jesus is wanting us to know God, and he picked these words now, some of you know my story that these words or the two words together, our father or my father, had no earthly meaning to me in my life. I heard other people refer to father, and there were father figures in my life I did not know about, uh, but I had a, an empty spot there because my earthly father had left us and after I got to know something about him, I was very glad I didn't have to grow up in the same house with him. But I got to know about Father from my heavenly Father. Now, some of you, when you hear our Father you have different kind of images come up in your mind, relationship to your father. Maybe you had a wonderful, wonderful father, and I hope you did. 
And maybe you had a father that when you heard the words, our father in heaven, a warmth came over you. And you knew he loved you. And you knew that he was with you. Uh, and he cared about you. Others of you, maybe when you heard those term, that term, our father, you thought of someone distant, off out there, or worse, a horrible person close to you, and someone you've been trying to get over most of your life, and you're still working on that, but Jesus picked this metaphor. He picked these words, our father to help us relate to the great creator, the one who created it all, who knows all, who knows the end from the beginning, who knows our deepest thoughts, to whom nothing is a surprise. And he said, I want you to come to him as father. Let's look at what he said about real father not absent father, not distant father, not terrible father, but real father. Uh, and he said, we, we saw these words in, in, the, in the bumper there at first, but he said, he said, don't pray in uh, the synagogues or on the street corners so people can see you. But, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He said, he's with you. He loves you. He knows you. You can relate to him. And he's what he sees when nobody else sees. It's true and real and good. And he'll reward you because of what he sees in private when no one else sees. He loves you. He's with you. And then in, in chapter 7 of Matthew Starting in verse 9, he says, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He's saying, I want you to know what real Father really is. And trust him that he will give you what is good for you. And he knows what you need. And, and he says, you don't get his attention by jumping around and by just many, many words. He knows you and he loves you. And this is who he is. And he mentions, he said, though you being evil, and we're such a mixture of good and bad inside of us in any earthly father would say that and any any other human being would say that if if we would give something good to our children how much more will our heavenly father give good to us and he says this is the one who loves you who's with you who wants you to come to him and and who desires a relationship with you because of who he is. 
I mentioned I, I learned those, this Matthew 6, 9 in a different translation in a very different time. When I learned those words, we said this prayer in school. <laughs> or we heard this prayer in school. Our Father, who art in heaven, And now, you don't hear these words in a public school. It's rare. If you hear God's name, it's probably taken in vain there. That's the challenge of this world. And this is the world we live in. And this is the world he speaks to us in. And this is the world we get to serve him in. And he speaks to our hearts. And a part of it makes it so hard is just a busy place. The pace of life is so busy, we don't pray as we should because we're trying to get from here to there, and we're trying to, to do this and to do that, and, and we have so many labor-saving devices, we overcommit ourselves to everything, we don't have any time in between, and we're busy. And, and then we have information overload. Um, we're inundated with stuff, with facts. And, and we're not seeking time to learn because we're kind of addled as it is. And we have an information overload, but we don't have a truth overload. We have a truth deficit. And in with all of this pounding our ears and our minds and our eyes and everything, we have to sort through what is true and find what is true. I, I would never have thought growing up that, I mean, saying our Father who art in heaven is, is rather innocuous. You know, in my mind, I thought, that is safe. That is safe. But the world in which we live, the challenge of this world is to say that puts you in the middle of spiritual conflict, right in the middle. That is nowhere, you know, that's not like generic. That puts you right in the center of spiritual conflict because we live in a world that publicly in so many ways does not know God. And we live in a world that divides groups up from others. This one from that one. And you're different than me. And your group's got this and my group. Don't. You know, we hear that all of the time. And then when it comes to our Father who art in heaven. And one bad man puts the whole gender in question. And especially many bad men. <laughs> as the case is. And, and so we, we, we are dealing with all of this, but Jesus, Jesus, who is smarter than anybody you saw on TV this week or any blog you read or I read or see or hear or pops up, Jesus, who loves me more than any of these who want me to be their follower, he said, our Father who art in heaven. You can trust our Father. You can trust Him. 
And I'm just, I'm saying this because why is it so hard for us to pray? It's hard for us to pray because of busyness, of too much information, of truth deficit, and because we're in the middle of attack. People do not want us to really pray. And what's worse, there's inside of us an old nature that doesn't really want to pray either. And we have internal opposition, external opposition. But Jesus cut through all of this to say, Abba, Father, who art in heaven. The disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. In Luke 11, we see it phrased that way. In, in a disciplined life in Jesus, which is what we're about, we learn to pray and how to pray. And sometimes it's easier, it seems, to learn how to pray than to pray. And so we need, Lord, teach us to pray. We need encouragement to come and be real in his presence and process our life out of our relationship with him and take every bit of our life before him. And as we go through our life, as we do what we do every day, we can have a prayer in our heart. We can have a prayer in our mind. And when we reflect on things or we look forward to things, we pray about those things because Jesus taught us to do this. And is teaching us. See, relationship. Jesus reaffirmed this to us. But he didn't just do that. He lived it out. He lived it out. In John 5, 19 through 20, we read these from the Lord. He said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. A part of the hardness of living life is we don't know what's ahead. We don't know what is out there. We're trying to survive the coronavirus in this country, and very few people even have it here. But we're inundated with it. And... It's a pretty scary thing when you listen. You think you're feeling good, and then, oh, here, well, it don't feel so good, and, and all of this. And we don't even realize we live in a country where 60,000 people die every year of unnamed flu. And millions of people have it every year, and it's going on this year. And we're scared. We're petrified by something that's not even here. And what is here, we don't even recognize it. This is why we need prayer. And this is one thing Jesus did. Jesus lived the life he wants us to live. He wasn't here on this earth looking at a computer printout. Oh, this is going to happen tomorrow, and it's going to be this way, and so forth and so on. He lived life. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He knew that there was a plan for him, and he knew the Father's will. But he said this. He says, the Son can do nothing by himself. He 
only does what he sees the Father doing. He has lived like you and I live. We don't know the end from the beginning. Uh, he knew what he needed to know when he needed to know it, and he prayed to find out that will. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Now, he was way ahead of most anybody around him. I want you to know that, and would be way ahead of me and way ahead of you simply because he didn't have as much garbage in his life as I have at this point. But he lived it out, praying. You see, Jesus personified an authentic relationship with the Father. We do things because Jesus did those things. Look, look at the scripture, Luke 6. It said, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. It's just something he did. He prayed. He, didn't, he, he did not just, you know, go by remote control. He, he prayed. He prayed. He wanted to show us how to live, and he wanted to follow uh, the direction he was given. In Luke 9, 18, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, so the ones who were around him knew that he prayed. Do you like to let the people around you know you don't know everything? Especially when they sort of act like, you're supposed to or they think you do and you don't want to shatter their impression of you, which is not really the way they think. But he lived it out really in front of them. They said, we thought you said you were son of God. John said you were the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. Why are you praying? He was real. And so he went out and prayed. And then Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He just got out of there, and he got out of there to pray. Now, I might get out of there, <laughs> but I would get out of there to go be by myself probably or something like that. But he got out of there to pray, and see, right after that was when he called his disciples or gave them a special calling on their lives, and so he went and he prayed. And then in John eleven forty one, 41, he said, and this is where his friend Lazarus had died, and he went there, and everybody was grieving. It was wild and yelling and, and, and moaning and all of this around, and he felt it in his heart, and this is the time he said he wept. And, and they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You see, Jesus was not against praying in public. He just didn't want you to pray in public to be seen to be praying in public but he wanted there to be prayer in public and he did that and he said i thank you lord that you have heard me now it also implies that he had been praying before that moment and he said i know that you have heard me so he lived this out right in front of us how to live he, he wasn't given a, a printout there of everything. He knew things and all of this, and I'm not getting into those details, but he really lived the life that we need to live, and, and he taught them how to pray by how he lived his life. And he said this in John 15, 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's really true. 
but can't we try? But can't we try? We can crank out good religious clubs and call them churches. We can make that thing hum. And God, not necessarily a part of any of it, but it looks good from the outside. We can, we can get down pat everything we can do without depending on God. Because most churches don't attempt to do anything they can't do by themselves. Kind of religious civic clubs or civic clubs are good. I'm just saying the church ought to be a little different. What he's saying, you can't do the hard stuff. You can't do the eternal stuff without me. You can do a lot of stuff without me, but you can't do the lasting stuff without me. And he wants us to know and believe in our heart of hearts. We can plan things and we can do this, but we can't do anything more than set the table. He is the one that's got to work. He must move. And we do everything we know to do. And when we've done everything we know to do, we turn to him like we haven't done anything and say, Lord, if this is going to happen, it's got to be you because I can't do that. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We just need to believe his word. We don't understand all of that, but I think we can grasp that much. And he said, I want you relating to me all the time, wherever you are in some way. At least make room for me in your life. Put a little margin in there. Life gets crazy and hectic, and we can't be singing a prayer all of the time. We maybe can have one going on in the background or something, but, but we just got to know that we're in it with the Lord, and we relate to him in our thoughts, and we process everything out of our relationship with Christ, no matter what we're doing. And in that, we want to stay close enough to him. We can say, Lord, I want you to really work in this situation. I want you to move. I want you to change me. Heal me, Lord. Heal this person. Walk through it that way. Mm. Jesus lived out this life. He wants us to live. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He showed us relationship to the Father. He showed us it's got to be through prayer, public, private, by yourself, in groups. All Praying is, is the way. Another part of that basic teaching about prayer said, this is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The relationship is honored. May your name be set apart. May it be hallowed. May it have the standing it ought to have. May it have the meaning it ought to have. Because I know it's you I'm talking about when I talk about your name. It's respect verbalized. 1 Samuel 2.30, it says, those who honor me, I will honor. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, it said you, not to take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Say it emptily. And the reason was that it may be cheapened by just casually using it and not thinking about who he is, not respecting him, not honoring him, not hallowing his name. 
You see how profane we can be at times. It's, it's respect verbalized because his name reflects all that he is. My name is Gary. I have no clue what it means. I have looked sometimes. Somebody gave me a card with Gary written on it, and it was really nice, I'm sure. But that's not the same as here because he said, my name is all that I am. And, and the name reflects who I am. And Jesus said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God is good. God is great. God is loving. God is righteous. God uh, cannot tolerate sin in his presence. God has never done anything wrong. It's impossible. He is God. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows inside out, upside down, every way. He knows all of this. He is God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he created all that there is. See, we've got a problem. Because he is a big God. He has created everything and everything moves because of him. And he's created all the world we know and more of the world than we can ever imagine. And he knows us. He knows my heart. He knows the depth of my heart. And we're caught right there between the vastness of God and our sinful nature. And he did something for us. In Hebrews 10, 20 through 22, it says, Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, let us draw near to God with a, a full, a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Let's come into his presence. How can we do that? We're sinners. We come in the name of Jesus. We come in Jesus Christ, the new and living way. We don't bust into God's presence on our own. We walk in by a new and living way, a way that we draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, not because of me, but because of him, not because of you, but because of Jesus Christ God's son who took my sin and your sin and the sin of the whole world in his own body on the cross whose body was broken for us whose blood was shed for us so that we can have a way to the father we had to have somebody do that for us we couldn't do it ourselves I want to ask you to stand and bow your heads for a moment of prayer With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, we're going to close our service here by living out this new and living way that we can come before the Lord through Jesus Christ, through his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us. And he's the only reason we can pray and, and know that our prayers are heard, are in his presence. And I just want you to renew your spirit and your heart in Jesus right now. 
We talked about being resurrected, and we need our faith resurrected so often. May Jesus be strong and alive in your heart right now because if you've asked him to be your Savior and Lord, he is there. He is there. Would you be renewed in him and ask him to cleanse you, forgive you, warm your heart toward him, make you open toward him, and, and know his peace and his presence, and enter into his presence all of your life and take it all before him. And you can have that confidence, and I have that confidence because of what Jesus has done on my behalf. Dear Lord, we're here in your presence right now. We want to worship you with full and free hearts. You've told us we can come near to you with confidence and full and sincere faith because of what you did for us on the cross. And we claim that right now, Lord. And, and as we take these steps forward in a few minutes and we take this little bit of bread and this little bit of juice, it reminds us of who you are and that in and of ourselves, we, we could not come into your presence because of what you've done for us. You've revived us, renewed us, made us new, given us new life. And we can live this life out together and serve you in this world and walk with you every day in a continual conversation of prayer and have mighty times and quiet times and big times and small times, but all times we're in your presence. Bless us now, Lord Jesus, with your presence and your spirit as we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We have our deacons who will be here at these tables at the front, and some will be directing you when you can come forward and, and, and join together. But let it be an act of worship as you walk and as you, as you pick up. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you pick up that little piece of bread. It reminds you of the body of Jesus that was broken on the cross for you, and you dip it into the cup or, or you take a cup, and it reminds you of the blood of Jesus that was shed on our behalf so that we might have access into the holy of holies, the most holy place we can come through Jesus and worship Jesus every step along this way. Let's worship him together. As a church, we consider it an honor to play a small part in your journey of discovering real life and real love. And no matter where you are on your journey, we want to be there to help you take the next step. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to ironbridge.org forward slash next.